What is up, everybody, and welcome into a very, very special edition of the Return of the Roar podcast, live from sunny, hot Las Vegas. Uh, I'm sitting here currently with Frankie Cardicelli and Brandon Nunez. We will be doing a two-part episode, one on Brandon's uh, King's Pulse podcast, and one, obviously, you're listening to right now, the Return of the Roar so at the end of this, just make sure to switch on over to King's Pulse, and uh, you can enjoy a nice uh, hour of content. So without further ado, let's get into things, and uh, let's start off with uh, some introductions. Frankie, what has been your favorite thing about Vegas so far? I was going to say, I'm not sure what I've enjoyed more. Las Vegas or the fact that I saw Brendan's empty good and plenty box on the couch this morning. <laughs> It's a great day. It's a great day. Brendan, how great slash awful were those good and plenty? They were good, and there were plenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were plenty of them. Um, I wish I had more. I, I don't actually love them. I think they're solid, but I had to. I had to, you know, out with you guys. It, it just felt like if I wasn't buying good and plenties, that I was making a mistake. Like it's. I hate you so much. Just had to fully <laughs> really buy you, in. Bro. You know, there were hot tamales involved as well. That's the thing that really upsets me is that you really bought them just. Just to troll yeah, us, like yeah, yeah. you, like you might have actually wanted it a little bit, but like you would not have actually purchased them had I, we not been here. I originally grabbed the hot tamales and then realized I should probably grab the good employees <laughs> also. So you doubled down in the worst yeah, way yeah. possible. Double down. That's what we do out here. <laughs> yeah. Right? Shout out. Uh, okay. Well, that's that's enough of the chitty chat because honestly, I, mean, I cannot I go stomach. I cannot stomach the thought of eating those good and plenties. I've also I also had a single good and plenty and let me tell you, they're trash. We're at the grocery store at one AM upon getting into Las Vegas. We land late and we come get young Brendan here and go to the grocery store and plenty of options in the aisles and that's what he settles on. So I mean, it's not great. It's no, it's not great. It's good and plenty. It's I'm so done with this conversation. It's, it's literally it's like I could not be more finished with this conversation. <laughs> Vegas good and plenties are the same as Sacramento good and plenties. Yeah, there's confirmed. Yeah, they're both trash. Uh, <laughs> everywhere you go, you don't need to have them. You know uh, what I also have had good and plenty of? Uh, bad basketball. That's not a good, yes, bad <laughs> yeah, basketball. Very, Thanks for saving me because yeah. I was, yeah, because not it, a great transition. It's, uh, it's, it's always... A, a nice humbling reminder, Brendan. You were at the California Classic, but um, it you so so you got a nice little primer to it. But the basketball at summer league is, obvi- I mean, obviously the players are not to the quality of NBA players, but the basketball itself is not there. Sometimes there's flashes for sure, but uh, especially when these games become blowouts and uh, you know just when the benches come in, it seems like it just turns to everybody trying to get theirs yeah pretty often uh luckily the kings have actually been one of the more watchable they really have teams yeah um and i think it's because they're not actually bringing over young players mm-hmm. they're yeah I think they have three different players on their roster actually born in the 90s um there is or not born in the yeah. 90s i mean so a lot of older guys on sacramento's roster and it helps that they have one of the better Players in the tournament. Who are the, the, the younger guys on the team? It's DJ Stewart, I know for sure. DJ Stewart. Um, I, I do think that Keegan Murray is born in 2000 because he's 21 right now. Okay. Um, Good and math. Then I can't tell you the other one yeah. off the top of my head. Um, 
But yeah, Frank, it's definitely not Frankie De- Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> so that's another thing that we would play. We're going to get into the actual analysis of some form at some point. But what has been your guys' favorite Frankie Ferrari uh, knockoff name? Because like, like I mean, a Tommy Toyota or like a, uh, I don't know, Shelby, Shelby. Or Frankie Ferrari. For- <laughs> yes. I just, I don't know. I'm. I'm really tired of just sharing a name with him just to begin <laughs> yeah, with. Yeah, honestly. Because, I mean, even like Sean Cunningham of Fox 40, our friend Sean, came, comes up to me the first day of Summer League and just goes, I see the resemblance. You guys could be brothers. I'm like, no, Oof. there's not. You're just, you're, we have the same name. Yeah. And the guys happens to have the coolest name in the whole basketball world. I mean, Frankie Ferrari, I mean, it just so happens that the guy couldn't really back it up the first couple of days. He was struggling so bad. But then, of course, what was it against Indiana? He, he finishes with 16 points and hits four of six threes. So uh, I don't know, man. It, it, it's it's been kind of an up and down roller coaster with Frankie Ferrari, but we all know that his name is just super cool. Yeah, it is for sure. Like it's, I'm trying to think of what it would best fit. Like it's 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 very movie esque, obviously. But is it like is he? Like just a, a Disney basketball player? Is he Frankie Ferrari? Obviously, is he a race car driver? Probably something we can't say on the podcast, but his name does work oh, in some ways. Ooh, facts, very much so. He he has a future here in Las Vegas. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, is uh, is the bigger point. Uh, wow, I. I honestly don't even want to talk about basketball anymore because this is a lot more interesting. Of a Frankie has a future in Las Vegas. Multiple Frankies. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> but Keegan has a future in Sacramento. And there's a couple Boom. other guys that do have a future in Sacramento. Um, it's not crazy to say that like Keegan has been one of the best players in this tournament. And I keep saying tournament. I guess this isn't a tournament. But yeah. during this summer league, um, it should be a tournament. It Why isn't it? Why tournament. can we? Before we get the king, I just want to say real quick, just about the general landscape of, of Vegas, like this summer league. Is it better this way or worse? Because like the, we're talking about Keegan, and like how impactful he's being. We were talking about uh, all first teams last year: Davion winning MVP, uh, Lou King, Kings legend, winning MVP of the game of the championship game, and we're talking about what it takes to get nominated and named in those accolades of course it's summer league awards so take it with a grain of salt obviously but king's been so great would it make it more impactful if these games mattered even more so by the fact that you're playing towards that tournament seating because now it's just if you're not a top two team it's over because a lot of people are confused about that they don't know how this works you get these rings now but unless you're a top two team it's over so does that kind of make these games a little less i don't want to say fun but impactful Probably. Um, you said a lot of people are confused about this. I am one of those people. <laughs> I still don't fully understand how this is going to wrap up. I think that you gave me an okay explanation the other day, You've Frank. also been fed false information. Yeah, I don't understand. I had yeah. different people tell me different things, like people that I thought I should be able to trust that apparently have no yeah. clue what they're yeah. talking about. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I think that I would much rather see a tournament. And single elimination basketball is always weird to me because – how about sudden the death best basketball? Team, how about sudden death basketball? We might get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah, casual sudden death basketball. Yeah. Never thought I would say those words in my life. Yeah, um, yeah no, I, I wish that it was a tournament. I, I think that it would just be more straightforward because just losing one of these random games, like the Kings losing that Orlando game on some sudden crazy death. ending yeah a sudden death it's like okay they're gonna get heavily penalized for that with the way the system works so 
I don't know. I'd probably rather see it the other way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, yeah. And I mean, that's usually how basketball is played too. It makes sense. You know, like when you, when you do these, uh, you know, tournaments and AU and stuff like that, it, it's you play and then you play for seating and then the tournament happens and, you know, it kind of just naturally progresses that way. And so it's weird to me that it's just, it's, it's like the weirdest version of a plan. It's just like, well, you, it, it's you only play strange. for your one seat. We'd be, today's Tuesday. We'd be starting this tournament probably today or tomorrow mm-hmm. normally because there's uh, I two, a week left two games and then you have the championship. Mm-hmm. So, and things end this weekend. So, uh, interesting timing, and of course, this is all happening while the the top four picks are getting a lot of attention. Like Brendan started us off with Keegan Murray. Of course, that's the the talk of of Vegas right now, as far mm-hmm. as well, the Kings as far as Kings fans go. But now we're getting some national attention. Just today, of course, the narrative starting to change after Keegan Murray, who's Insane. who's probably in the running for MVP of of summer league at the moment, mm-hmm. uh, averaging twenty points per game, shooting forty percent from three. Uh, we can get into numbers on our pod or Brendan's pod later for sure, but. Uh, now the narrative is starting to change. Mark Spears saying that he's heard from, quote, ex- league executives saying that King of Murray has actually been viewed as the top two pick. Convenient how that changes when, that, when, when the player performs in summer league. So that brings me to this question for you two gentlemen. King of Murray is, is walking into 20-point games. Like we talked about, it's almost effortless. Even though he's, he, he struggled against Indiana, he starts the game off, I think, I think one of, of eight from three. Uh, ends up finishing four of 12, 23 points, kind of saves the game. Do summer league results matter to you guys? I just want to know because it's a hotly debated topic. Do summer league results, do you just look at the numbers? Do you look at what the player's doing, how they're playing within the flow of the game, the comfortability? I just want to know what you guys are looking for exactly because I think a lot of Kings fans, myself included, feel very confident in Keegan Murray just because of what he's doing on the floor outside of his numbers, the way he's playing within an offense, the way he's playing on defense, uh, his his poise. He's very stoic. We make we make a lot of jokes about how he was hustling his butt off and chase a loose ball and doesn't show any emotion after he gets the call he wants. So I just wonder what you guys are looking for in not just Keegan, but players as a whole. Yeah, time. I think wins and losses to me is the one thing that just absolutely doesn't matter. Um you know, I, I think winning the summer league title is, is a nice, fun thing to troll about. And it's, you know, it's fun to say it's better than not winning, I guess. But uh, at the end of the day, I don't think win losses really matter. I think it's uh, when you're talking about player evaluations, it's more just how you see, you know, it, Keegan Murray, you, you made a point to it, how he moves without the ball. You can see how uh, he would fit into the Kings current system, how him running off screens and, and, uh, how he shoots off the drip, or I'm sorry, uh, off the catch, uh, will translate uh, to the NBA. And I think that's really what it is. A lot of these guys aren't going to be in this same setting in the NBA. For example, Keon Ellis is a huge one where uh, he has a bigger role now than he's going to have probably ever in the NBA. How dare you? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But he's just never going to be the second or third option uh, on an NBA team. And so... It's it's nice to see what he's able to do, but uh, you know I I'm sorry I, I I didn't when I said that I didn't mean it to as a as a bring down to to Keon Ellis just more um, you know you get to see how you know how wide their game their their game is I guess uh, that's probably not the right Keon Ellis got a real wide game he got a wide game really bro. wide game. <laughs> I, I'm with you. I don't think wins and losses man matter, but I don't think that you could ever tell the team that 
That is all they talk about is wins and losses, that these guys want to win. Um, part of Keon, the reason that he thinks he fell the way that he did and going undrafted was he played poorly at the Combine, and that's a really tough environment because everybody's kind of playing for themselves. So while I don't value wins and losses, I do think there is a value in everybody playing for the purpose of winning the game because it gets you the right sort of environment to see these guys' skill sets. Um, unless Keon Ellis hits seven threes in a game, the numbers don't matter, you know, but if he does, I will talk about it nonstop. Um, no, I, I think that it is all contextual, right? Like you said, like the off the bounce or um, made the same mistake as you. Yeah. The off the catch stuff for, for Keegan, you easily see how that's going to become a thing at the NBA, the on ball pressure for Keon um, and his shooting as well off the catch, maybe no bank threes at the next level going to be going on. But I, I do think that I'm less worried about wins and losses, but I like that that is the team focus because it gives you better context for guys like Keegan and Keon and how they're going to translate to the next level. And it's such like a slippery slope, too, with this stuff as far as – I mean, or not slippery slope, I guess kind of a cash 22. You can't win or lose with this, really. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's – if Keegan is struggling and if he did – let's say Keegan right now is playing kind of like – like Jabari Smith Jr. is struggling yeah, right now. For sure. He, he had his first good game last night. 19-9, we, we've seen a lot of these guys play, and, and I was pretty disappointed uh, in that Houston-OKC game the other day. But let's say Keegan was doing that. Keegan's averaging nine points per game and shooting 38% from the field. Huge. People would be all over his numbers, and people would be saying, wow, he can't even shoot 45%. But now he's literally, the, he's arguably the best player in Summer League right now. I don't think anyone's, out, Chet Holmgren is doing things. Ken Thomas is going stupid again. Okay. The Keon Ellis stuff and Brendan, we're going we're gonna to yeah. have to ad- address yeah. it. We're, we're about to record with him next. I'm sure it's going to be a Keon Ellis yeah. love hour. But I'm just saying, no matter what someone does. Half hour. Half hour. Well, <laughs> it might be an hour with him. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, no, we could go as long as you want about Keon Ellis. Like, <laughs> give me that back. Give me the, give me the little, little background. We're yeah. sharing, we're sharing, we're sharing two, two mics. So it's, it's a lot of – it's going to be even distribute. uh Distribution, Even, yeah. geez, my English spread out like a yeah. like a PB and J that we have, like a Frankie Ferrari <laughs> exactly. offense. We're just going to move the ball around. But what my point is, people would read into what these guys are doing, no matter what they do. So I think the fact that some people are trying to diminish what King is doing, uh, especially Kings fans, it's a little disappointing. But a majority of them are not doing that. But anyways, anything else on Keegan? Do you guys want to pivot? Um. Oh, I mean, I think we, we touched on it a little bit, but his demeanor to me has been like a very big thing that I've noticed just how even keel he is on everything. I mean, he, he hits that game winner. He makes us, or I guess it wasn't a game winner, but uh, hits the game tying shot against Orlando. Uh, that's probably the most amount of uh, emotion we're going to see from him. I don't, I didn't see what happened exactly when he hit the, th- uh, hit the three, but even you know when when the game, I think uh, Orlando called a timeout after he hit it. It was just a simple you know like jump to the side, you know shoulder shoulder bang with Keon Ellis. Very Kawhi Leonard esque. We're very, very Kawhi Leonard esque. Yeah. The I think I brought up the the meme or of him like when someone's trying I think to it's dap, Norm Powell is Norm, trying to dap, dap <laughs> trying to dap him up, but he just puts his finger forward pointing. Like, it was move. very much like that yeah. the reaction all weekend yeah. or all week we've seen in that yeah. kind of reaction. Even like you know he he he'll. he'll I think you also mentioned it earlier. He'll like lock somebody up, play great defense, get called on a ticky tack foul, which is very summer league because also these refs are, are uh, they're not NBA. Don't ref. disrespect it, Richard, Richard Jefferson. Jefferson. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. sorry. Um, but you know, even even on bad calls, things don't go his way. Stoic, 
doesn't have any emotion either way, uh, doesn't let – which is funny too because I think you mentioned this a couple days ago um, that uh, Keegan said that in high school he used to let his emotions get the best of him. Yeah. And then he kind of toned it down and now he feels like he's a better player for it. I can't. I even feel like it. he like murdered his emotions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like completely just suppressed everything as far down as possible. And now it's almost like I think uh, right before the podcast, I think Jason was playing audio from uh, Mark Spears, and Mark Spears compared him to Tim Duncan, which is probably a step too far. Tim Duncan is like almost legendarily like monotone, even keel. But uh, it's it's definitely shades of that for sure. I mean, when you put someone in the same sentence as Tim Duncan, it's kind of scary, I, I guess. But I mean, I get what he's saying, and I agree. I think that I've seen that before too. Like, I think that the fact that we have a player who plays so well and does not have any emotion—it's just kind of it's kind of crazy to see because like the, the players the Kings have right now, De'Aaron Fox, so Bonus sneakily has a lot of. Uh, Fire, passion on the court. He got ejected in t- more tees. I think he's gotten in his like per like game average for his career. So it's just kind of interesting to see a guy who plays so well and at a high level. Again, granted, in summer league, like I said, I'm not saying this guy's going to come out and be the next Tim Duncan, but uh, similar demeanor. And a lot of these guys kind of put themselves in that school of how to carry yourselves on and off the floor. You have uh, people like, you know, not to be the Yankee guy, but Derek Jeter or Bill Belichick. He says wearing a Yankee yeah, shirt, you know, by Yankee the way. Shirt, but Bill, Bill Belichick, the guys who don't give much to the media or don't say many things are kind of like almost recycled answers. I mean, our very own GM, Monty McNair, very close to the vest, is not like he's not a Daryl Morey or anything, doesn't say things out and wear things on his chest. But um, it's refreshing to see. Like, I'm a fan of it. I, I like to see that from, from a player who's young and, and coming in with just, you know, People talk a lot about his his personality and how much of a, an asset that is outside of his game, and that's something the Kings need. They need to build that kind of culture of having players like that. Yeah, and the last thing on Keon or on Keegan for me, get off of Keon I, Ellis. Hold on, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> the last thing on Keegan for me, I've been really surprised by his by his off the bounce game. Um, I, I don't think that we've seen a lot of it, but the flashes here and there are moments where I'm like, uh, that's something different mm-hmm. that maybe there's more upside than what I had given him credit for. Um, because I don't know, people give me a lot of crap, I, I guess about, uh, not loving the Keegan pick at four. And I am more than happy to be wrong. And if there is an off the bounce game like that, then that's where I start to see it. He's talked about Chris Middleton before. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I was a lot. Actually. I didn't love it. I didn't love it at first, but there's moments where he's attacking a close out or he had at the end of that Indiana game. Um, no, it was, Yes, it was, it was the, the Indiana, Indiana game. game. He had 10 back. points in the fourth quarter. Um, yeah, he hit one really tough triple, and then he went for a second one right after that was a step back, and he kind of pumped, and maybe he should have shot it right away, but that one didn't go down. But it was space creation that he created completely by himself um, that I think that's surprised me and been there a little bit more than I thought it would be. Yeah, I completely agree. I was the same exact way. I I saw little to no off-the-dribble game for him, and, and – uh, you know, I haven't seen him take any pull-up jumpers or anything, which I don't think he really needs in his game, maybe maybe just on closeouts. But, um, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, if he has that step-back move, uh, to me that unlocks a completely different part of his game and makes him a completely different – you know, that, that, that to me changes my evaluation of him completely because, yeah, if he's able – right now I view him just almost strictly as a catch-and-shoot guy. You know, that, that sounds, you know, negative, but um, – 
I think he's just going to come in day one and really have a role that he can excel in. I mean, uh, this team needs shooting desperately, uh, and I think he's a really good fit next to Harrison Barnes. We don't quite know if Harrison Barnes is for sure going to be there at the start of next year, but um, if he is, I, I, you know, you can see how this team is coming together already. I completely agree. Um, that being said, because we are on a, we are going to move on. Yeah. And all right, Brendan. All right, all right. We're, we're, let's let's look at some guys that are making impacts that are not making an impact that are not Keegan Murray. Obviously, the top two that jump out are are Keon Ellis. Obviously, obviously, obviously. and Namias Kata. So let me start with saying about Keon Ellis. He was on the show uh, with Jason Ross this morning. They had a nice sit down. Said a lot of cool things. Like he, it's a very cool uh, a story. He came from a family of athletes and and kind of just chose basketball and stuck with it. Uh, coming out of Florida, um, basketball didn't choose him. Ba- basketball didn't necessarily choose. He was born him. into this life. He was born into sure. being a king. Uh, born into being a Brendan Nunes favorite. And I will say that the the impact he brings on the floor. And I know that Chris is saying he's not going to be a number one, two, three option. I agree. I don't think he's going to be a, if he's a top three option on your team. I don't feel great about that, but do you have thoughts on that? <laughs> don't feel great is an understatement. Is that what we're saying here, Chris? That's exactly how I feel. If he's a, if he's a top three option, yeah, I, on a big a, league club, yeah, you know what? I'm just not. Yes, let's let's maybe one day. But that being said, the Kings don't need him to be that. What the Kings need this guy has been a a Davion Mitchell esque terror on defense. He is everywhere. He's deflecting deflecting passes he's closing out he's doing all the things that you want someone to do he's hustling he's hitting the floor he was diving over the floor in the like the six minute mark in the second quarter the other day at thomas and mac like he was like it was game seven of the final so um i've been very 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 impressed with his effort brendan do you want to take the floor and talk about what he could bring to the kings he's on a two-way deal do you think he's a guy that could be helpful to this Kings team in the near future? Because as we know, Mike Brown's a defensive coach. The guys they brought in, Leandro Barbosa, Doug Christie, um, Luke Lux, these guys that are probably going to help form a defensive culture. Do you think that that's the reason when the Kings saw him and said, hey, let's bring this kid in because he can kind of join Davion and form that kind of one-two punch off the bench if that's what's going to happen? Yeah, he definitely gets me because I'm – a guy that loves watching defense and been so deprived ever since I started covering the Kings. It's been a it's been a desert. Yeah, it's it's Hey-o. as tough as it gets when it comes to watching uh, some defense. I think we were watching random clips the other day from the end of the bubble season and the highlights that are against the Kings. I'm like, is that even a highlight? This is the worst defense I've ever seen in my life. So Keon is refreshing in, in that aspect, and. He's just a disruptive defender. There's guys that are good defenders. Like, I think of Harrison Barnes. Um, well, Harrison Barnes definitely has lost a step recently. Um, but, like, previously in his career, when I think Harrison Barnes was a solid defender, solid. he was just a guy that was doing his job, but not exactly making plays on the defensive end, just kind of fitting in and keeping guys in front of him, not disruptive in any sort of way. But Keelan's a guy that's out there getting steals. He had three steals in that game against Indiana. He had one in the game against... Um, against Orlando, and there, there's more on top of it of just like countless deflections that you're getting from him. He's picking up full court mm-hmm. um, almost every time that he's out there in, in that sort of ball pressure. He does a good job getting through screens. So defensively, I think he's really refreshing. Offensively, he's pretty tough, though. Um, I, I think that he's shown a lot of confidence hitting and taking and making threes, especially off the catch in Jordy. 
um, because Keon went two of 12 at the California Classic from beyond the arc and then went five of six in that first Vegas game and then three of second in the next. So quick math, eight of 15 um, between that after two of 10 at the Vegas at um, California Classic. And Jordy said we're telling him to shoot it every time he's open and every time he touches the ball that he's open. Um, but I think anytime he dribbles more than once or twice, it's like I'm kind of expecting a turnover. And I think there's a lot of growth that needs to be done there. So I, I don't think, in my mind, he's somebody that you're seeing in Sacramento this season. Uh, there's a lot of guards on this roster, a lot of two guards with, um, if you want to put Davion Mitchell there, Kevin Herter, Malik Monk, Terrence Davis. There's just a lot of guys. So in my mind, unless there's some injuries that take place or some massive roster shakeup because the, it wouldn't surprise me if there's another big trade. Like I just think that we're probably going to see Keon continue to work at uh, the, the Stockton level for a little while here. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think uh, to your point, his defense has just been incredible. He's, he's, he's like a, a snow globe. Like, you know how you just shake a snow globe. He just completely wrecks the entire offense. Like he, <laughs> He's just a menace. Like, the dude tears apart every offensive scheme possible. He's in the passing lanes, playing passing lanes, a menace on ball. Um, his defense has just absolutely stuck out completely. And, I, yeah, his offense, if he can be a reliable catch-and-shoot guy, I think that's where he can maybe find his niche in the NBA. Um, but to me, I mean, his defense is, is almost at an elite level. I, I would like to see it. Um, you know, against some real NBA competition for sure, but he absolutely passes the G League test of of this guy can can definitely hold his own against this level of competition, and uh, that's you know to to our first point or first question um, of what kind of things you're looking for in summer league, the ability to rise above the level of competition in in any aspect I think is huge. Uh, Keegan Murray, like we've been talking about with his catch and shoot, but. Um, Keon, his his ability to stay with this level of uh, of uh, of player on defense and, and really thrive and and show that he's a level above it, I think to me is is huge and shows that this is this is a an, a, an NBA level um, ability for him. So to me, yeah, his his offensive game is what's gonna what's gonna make or break his career pretty much. Well, the Kings starters have been pretty much the the bright spot so far as far as watching these games. And the bench remains to be seen, the bench production. Not much there, but obviously another guy in the starting lineup it, that is producing very well and it's nice to see him play well is is Namias. Is it Namias or Namiish, Brendan? I, I don't don't ask me. Okay. I yeah. We're getting mixed. For anybody that doesn't know, Alvin Gentry, I think, called me out on this <laughs> at the end of last season, but I'm not convinced that I'm wrong. I'm too stubborn really? here. Kind of. We're we're not exactly sure. What happened was Brendan said so like uh, he said Namiish asking Namiish asking him a question and Alvin kind of like went like this and put his head down and was like looking at him and he's and he didn't really answer the question at first and then I thought <laughs> I, I was like Namiish Keda he's like no I know who you're talking I, about. He, <laughs> he he said I just wanted to hear you say it again <laughs> he said, I just wanted to hear you say it again so we'll go I'm gonna I'm gonna go we'll call him Nimi Nimi has been yeah. playing. He's been playing very well. I mean, obviously, last game against Indiana, he he goes out with with the calf injury, calf injury, yes. soreness. Excuse me. We're gonna get some clarity on that in a little bit here at practice. But twelve points, seven boards, five blocks. That wasn't half of the game, pretty much. And that's on the heels of his game against Orlando, where he he had what twenty three points, uh, eight rebounds, a block, a steal. So he's been playing well, which is good to see from him because 
We've heard the Kings are high on him. Obviously, they brought him back on a two-way deal. We don't know what's going on with Alex on his situation. We saw him at the casino the other night walking in with his posse. I'm not sure what that's going to mean for him. Is he going to be on the team next year? So I just want to know for, for you guys, just basically what have you thought about Nimi, his play this summer? Do you think he's someone that deserves to be converted to a full spot? If not this season, by the end of by the start of the season, by the end of the season, does he deserve to be the third string center? Just I want to know what you guys kind of evaluate as far as Nimi and his future because he's on two way. He's playing as well as we've probably seen him. We've talked about things we want him to improve on, like rebounding. Uh, the shot blocking is there. Like I said, five blocks in, in 16 minutes is insane. What have you guys taken from Nimi so far this summer? Yeah. Oh, his birthday's tomorrow. Happy hey, birthday. He'll turn 23 tomorrow. We'll definitely be sure to post that. Yeah, we're recording this on That's Tuesday the 12th. Um, yeah, so I, he's about to be 23. He's still... I don't know. It's night and day between the Cal Classic and Vegas because, to be honest, he was really bad in the Cal Classic. Not not really bad, but a second-year player should really stand out in a way that they are clearly better than the rest of the talent out there. And I, I know for bigs it can take a little bit of time, especially someone like Nimi who is still getting used to his body. Like when mm-hmm. we talked to him at the practice prior to Summer League, uh, even the Cal Classic, he said one of the biggest things he was working on was his body. And, like, if you go and look back at early Utah State, he was so thin. And you can see that he still plays like he doesn't have the weight and strength that he does. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think he's been a lot better in Vegas. The numbers that Frank ran through there um, have been phenomenal. And especially that Indiana game, it's a shame we only got, like, 16 and a half minutes out of him there because I thought that that was the best game that I'd seen him ever play. Um, five blocks in 16 minutes is just absurd. How about that that double block? The double block, which, by the way, the first block was easier because Keon made the yeah. guy bobble it. But, yeah. but okay. sure, it, nobody sure, mentions sure. that yeah, or no, anything. But, you know. No, I've been impressed. You're crazy. I've been impressed. I still think um, – I'm certainly. I've seen people say like, "Oh, I, like Alex Len needs to go somewhere else. That Nimi needs to be the three, the mm. third string center." I don't know about that yet. Yeah. I, I want to see him dominate Stockton mm-hmm. this season, and I, I think that that, in my mind, is is kind of where I'm at with Nimi right now. In a pinch, can he get some run in the NBA? Maybe. Um, I, I still think that there's an adjustment period we're going through, though. Yeah, definitely. I think for me, the thing that I want to see from him is just overall dominance. I mean, he he's probably the biggest guy here in Vegas that's playing. Um, Taco Fall for sure. Actually, that would that would Nemeus gets a gets a second top he, top two three. Him, yeah, him, him Chet and Taco probably. Well, in terms of weight, though, I mean, yeah. I mean oh, like, yeah. I just mean he should be big body too for, for just about everyone he goes against. You know, I think he was going against uh, Isaiah Jackson against uh, uh, Indiana the other day. Um, I'm pretty sure Orlando. Oh, they were running out Emmanuel Terry, who we've seen Emmanuel Terry's maybe champ six seven um, or so. Not that Emmanuel Terry wasn't a, a definite presence. We saw him last summer won the game against um, us. <laughs> he played in. I mean, I think. Did we sign him to a two-way um, or something? I thought we signed he, him to he, something. He was in Stockton for a little bit last mm. year. I think he ended up moving on. Yeah. But he did. I mean, against us, uh, Emmanuel Terry, just for what it's worth. I just want, I'm actually sure. curious what he finished with against us. Uh, he, he only had six points. Really? But nine, re- nine rebounds. Yeah. He out-rebounded Cato, which is kind of a problem and with And also game. dented the floorboard on a Keon Ellis block. He, when he 
block Keon Ellis's yeah. game, game-winning attempt. I'm just, I'm just saying there, there's probably – I like damp. how I get past the mic, right, yeah. when you're talking <laughs> trash about Keon. What is this? It's a, it's a similar dent to the one that Zion made when he uh, landed mm. the other day. in the. Uh, so Keon has the same sort of impact as Zion? No, what I'm saying is Keon throws up so many, like, soft – Like Zion. Throw. Zion. Yeah, Zion soft yeah, yeah. for sure. No, when, yeah. I, when I when I think of Zion <laughs> Williamson, I for sure think soft. Uh, no, I'm just trolling. But anyways, I, I'm just looking for uh, Nemeas to really understand how big of a body he is and understand that he is he. I mean, he should be honestly like Shaq out here. Like he, there's nobody who can stop him um, if he is determined enough. Defensively, we've seen his ability to protect the rim. Nobody wants to go at him. Um, it's not, you know, like we've been watching every Chet Holmgren game and people are trying to baptize Chet every chance they can get. Uh, Nimi is not that guy as, as what, uh, you don't know me, bro. Is that what yeah. he said? You, you don't know him. You, you, you don't know, know me. me, bro. You don't know me, bro. <laughs> uh, so to me, that's to me, the biggest thing, uh, for Nimi is, is just, I think Brendan made, made a point to it, uh, at first of just, he needs to get more comfortable with his body and, and how, um, I think he's probably lost. 20, 30 pounds since he got here in Sacramento. And um, I think he's getting used to being more nimble, being uh, lighter on his feet. But at the same time, I think he probably internally feels like he's not as strong as he used to be, where he still is an absolute unit. So um, just getting more confident, I think, in his game. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I I like the idea of him dominating Stockton really to raise that uh, that kind of stock in himself overall, within within himself and the organization, because – uh, that's a great piece to have. We have to wrap it up in a few minutes because we are going to do a two-part. This is a two-part with Brendan's podcast, the King's Pulse podcast. But before we go, just want to get like your guys' general thoughts on this is our first time in Vegas for Summer League. And I, it's my first time. I've heard about it my whole life. I've obviously watched it on TV over the years and wonder what it would be like. And it's been start off awesome, tiring, surreal because the first experience we had was sitting on the floor for that game against Orlando. And we're all pretty new to this media game and being in these situations. And the fact that we have people like Jerry West sitting in front of us and Steve Ballmer, it's just like, it's crazy. You bump into people. We have, I mean, we have multiple stories about people we've come in, in contact with, but I just want to know what you guys have. Have you had like, welcome a, to summer league moment? Yeah. Like have, what, was, what was your welcome to summer league moment and like i want to know just also have you enjoyed it do you do you encourage others to come do this because i do think it is a cool experience to experience a cool thing to experience at least once i think if you're like a basketball fan because it's kind of like chris you said this it's like the nba's coachella it's like the nba's coachella so how have you guys handled your first vegas experience i i I guess i wasn't there for the nba's coachella line that is an amazing line um it's either Coachella or South by. It's probably closer to South by Southwest, but Coachella is obviously more. Yeah, well-known. no, we'll, we'll definitely have to nitpick and, and figure out yeah, the exact yeah, yeah. metaphor yeah, yeah. here. Okay, Co- Coachella is a really good one. Um, yeah, I mean, just all the people that you're casually running into is ridiculous. Like we're, I mean, Frank mentioned we sat pretty much courtside for the the Orlando game, which maybe the biggest summer league game of all time. Yeah, just casually overtime uh, or um. Yeah. Casual sudden death basketball, obviously. Um, yeah, and then afterwards we walk back and, you know, we walk right past Marvin Bagley, Cade Cunningham, um, of Dadley. course, Dadley, of course, of course. Supreme Dreams? Yes, yes. Oh, my gosh. Everyone possible, pretty much. Um, 
And it's just quite the experience, man. I mean, you're just running into so many people. To hear Woj not on yeah. TV was an experience. Yeah. It's like, okay, this guy doesn't talk like that all the time, apparently. Um, yeah, I mean, we just run into everyone. Masai Ujiri. Shams we ran yep. into. Um, uh, yeah, so many different executives. Of Obviously, everything. a handful of people from Sacramento. Robert Woodard. I was shocked to see Robert Woodard <laughs> yeah. on the floor, let me tell you. Yeah. Um, no, Everyone man, was I, all hyped about Wiseman, and, and Brendan is like, I was like, holy crap, Oh, Robert my God, Woodard you guys, play. Robert Woodard. <laughs> like, all right. Um, no, I, I've had a great time. I mean, getting to watch basketball all day long in person is, is a phenomenal thing. All the guys that are at the top of rosters, all the most recent lottery picks are obviously amazing to watch, and, and being able to witness those guys' first experiences as part of their NBA franchises is great, and, and just the people that you're – casually rubbing shoulders with is is pretty pretty crazy one of those things i don't realize how crazy it is until i talk about it later yeah definitely like i mean yeah frank you it, mentioned we're gonna have so many stories to, story. to like, digest we, it. we you know we probably won't even we will probably forget more stories than we'll remember here we have a couple uh, that you need to listen to the king's polls because i, I don't want to spoil some of them on yeah you on, know what let's end brendan's podcast with story time just like yeah we, two two we have, stories each we have some fun stories i want to talk about sure. uh brendan has a has a like a, a life changing brendan had like the best 15 no, no the story like the best 15 minutes i think i've seen i'm excited to share the story with, with my great. family and friends <laughs> that could Bre- be added to chris verlod's mix brendan, <laughs> brendan ex- had the best 15 minutes i'm excited ever. I'm excited to share your story with my family and friends when I get home because that is like that is like literally one of like the best things that can probably ever happen to you and it happened to you within what twenty it was, minutes. It was literally like fifteen minutes. But we're not, but you have to go to the next podcast to hear it. Yeah. I, I guess we'll save it for the next. And I'm gonna let you tell it because I don't want to tell my my own story. It's it's we. I don't know. I, I, it was I take, cool. I take pride cool, in my but... storytelling. You know, I took a yeah, storytelling yeah. course. Frankie is incredibly great at storytelling. Thank I've, you, Chris. I've always, I've, I told you that. Like, that was like one of the first things I told you like a couple months of knowing you. I was Guy, like, stop. Frank, you're like an incredible storyteller. Like, well, you, you really you, paint the picture. You have all the euphemisms and all those great things, like the, like the Coachella, of the NBA's Coachella, because I definitely am going to use that with people. But uh, anything else, boys? Should we jump on King's Pulse? I don't have, uh, I don't have anything else, guys. Great, yeah, we're just going to have dead air for the next uh, 20 minutes for Brendan's podcast, and then we're going to tell stories, so we're done. Cool. Goodbye.